Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world, both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, being a husband and a girl dad, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris each week wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm Sarah Kelleher, joined as always by Steve Perhatch and Dusty Evely. Guys, we made it through the bye week. Packers are 4-0, undefeated in the NFC North. How are we feeling today? Great. Great. <laughs> uh, all my fantasy teams got murdered this week, <laughs> so I'm ready to get back to some real football and get some Packers football in. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, I, I'm, I'm ready to go, ready for pr- some, uh, some, some prime quarterback action going on. So let's get it going. Nice, nice. And on today's episode, we are also joined by a very special guest, Bailey Adams of Bucks Nation. So Bailey is going to help us break down the Packers offense versus the Bucks defense. Like you guys know we do for the Packers opponent every week. He's going to let you guys know what to keep an eye out for and even answer some of your questions. He's really going to do it all with us today. So Bailey, thank you for joining. And how are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm doing all right I, I fantasy football wise i'm not doing so well um <laughs> as if i had any more reason to if i needed any more reason to not like michael thomas he cost me a game <laughs> uh, the news came out too late couldn't drop anyone unless i dropped him and i ended up losing by seven so mm. not feeling so good about that, that right now but otherwise doing all right tough tough and just for some context for you guys that are listening bailey and i have known each other for years now i think going on five years or so we went to college together, met at UCF through student journalism, covered a ton of football games together. We were even neighbors for a year. So this is really exciting that we finally get to collaborate. And on tomorrow, I'll be joining Bailey on his podcast at Bucks Nation. So we'll make sure to tweet out the links. You guys can tune in there as well. So before we dive into our chat with Bailey, just you know, like we do every week, real quick, want to share some Packers news and notes from Tuesday and just some notes. Uh, new news that's happening around the league so of course like he does every tuesday now aaron Rodgers appeared on the pat mcafee show dusty i know you watched bits and pieces of it why don't you share a couple of your favorite moments or a couple of things you thought uh the listeners would want to know yeah i mean you know for fun he talked about uh you know the the, the thing the fact that we all agree with that the, the pyramids were built by aliens that we're all in agreement on that so no big deal that was no big deal that that came up uh he also talked about uh ryan clark was on the show a little earlier and talked about the touchdown to greg jennings greg jennings uh first touchdown in the super bowl and kind of ryan clark shared his side of the story that was basically i knew this was coming from a mile away and i sprinted for my position i still couldn't get there and then aaron Rodgers came on and was asked about it and basically said he he kind of walked over. He jogged lightly, maybe. Uh, and then apparently Rogers called him 
2-5, which Clark found disrespectful. And Rogers said, I just thought we were having fun, man. I thought everyone calls Rogers 12. I, I thought it was just a big a bit of fun. But if he's still mad about it 10 yeah, years man, no, later, that's nobody calls them. Nobody calls him 1-2, though. That's true. <laughs> that That's true. Yeah, how dare yeah, that's he? The, that's how the disrespect. He? he should have called him 25, <laughs> not 2-5. <two, five. laughs> Like he said, uh, he said, uh, "Hey, two five, and he gave his, he put up his fingers like you were this close, like just you know inches apart or something. So, <laughs> I don't know, kind of a fun story. You get you get that a uh, little bit back and forth. I know Rogers talked to it was a, I think it was an all go special, essentially kind of an, like a four verts concept that they ran against there, and that they'd run a number of times that year. So it was, it was kind of fun hearing the both sides of a play that I've watched. Uh, I, I don't know, dozens of times at this point. So kind of hearing that was uh, was a lot of fun. Great, thank you, and uh, you're welcome. <laughs> just diving into some general news around the league the dumpster fire that is the new york jets continued to roll on um yesterday and you know there were murmurs about this all day and then from their official twitter account they confirmed that they are releasing Le'Veon bell they said after having conversations with Le'Veon and his agent and exploring potential trade options over the past couple of days we have made this decision to release Le'Veon. so you know, if you're a Packers fan and you think that they should try to get Le'Veon Bell, just exit to the left. I know we have, <laughs> we have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon. We're okay. Um, so that's it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Moving on. Um, some Packers news. Jaguara uh, was moved to IR on Tuesday, which is no surprise since we uh, learned the unfortunate news last week that he tore his ACL and he'll be out. For the season, uh, center Jake Hansen was also placed on injured reserve um, practice squad. And then the Packers signed a wide receiver. So there there you go for all of you talking about wide receivers in the Green Bay Packers. Um, Kalijah Lipscomb to the practice squad on Tuesday. He's a rookie out of Vanderbilt. He was originally assigned as an undrafted free agent with the Chiefs, um, but then he ended up on waivers. The Packers claimed him, and now he's on the practice squad. So that's pretty much all that it is. All that's there. Um, we also found out that Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Aaron Andrews uh, will be on the broadcast uh, for the Packers-Bucks game on Fox this Sunday. So for all the Joe Buck haters, I'm sorry. Um, but for all of you that love Joe Buck, here you go. This is great. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is just trash. He hates the Packers. So does Troy <laughs> Aikman. There's no – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hey, you know, you know there's somebody out there that as soon as they saw that tweet, they were like, oh, no, no. there's there's more than one person. There's fan clubs on Facebook yeah, that say that, uh, that they to ban Joe Buck and Troy Aikman from calling Packers games. Like, legitimately, who, I, it blows my mind that people think that he hates the football team that much. Like, he gets paid millions of dollars to do this. Why would he hate on a football team and let it be known? It's just dumb. Yeah, R- relax. That That's the... Take take a piece of advice out of Aaron Rodgers' book and relax, please. Um, final thing today was just the unofficial official Bucks injury report. So the Athletics, uh, Greg Almond, who is the Bucks writer, he tweeted today or on Tuesday that uh, it was a bonus practice for the Bucks, so there wasn't an official injury report, but that Mike Evans, Justin Watson, and Scotty Miller were back and were participating, but uh, that Godwin. And their running backs, LeSean McCoy and Leonard Fournette, were not practicing. So, Bailey, why don't you give us your thoughts about what that means um, for the Bucks and for the Packers, too? Yeah, so it's good that, that they've got some guys coming back. Obviously, they were pretty, pretty thin against the Bears last Thursday, and it kind of showed um, if you watch that game. 
but it's good that guys are on their way back. I know Bruce Arian said he anticipates having most, if not all, those guys back um, practicing in full by Thursday is what his hope is anyway. Um, and what I've, from what I heard from Jenna Lane of ESPN, she covers uh, the Bucks for them. She said that I think Chris Godwin was off on a side field getting some work in, running on that injured hamstring. So he's he at least uh, was out there getting some work in, kind of getting his conditioning back is what she said. And I believe she said Fournette also didn't have any kind of ankle brace or anything on. So good signs for those guys, definitely good signs for um, Mike Evans, Justin Watson, Scotty Miller, those guys out there. Um, because, you know, the leading receiver last Thursday was a rookie in Tyler Johnson who had zero catches before last Thursday. Did a great job in the first half, but, you know, as of now going into week six, we haven't seen Tom Brady with his full set of weapons yet. We saw week one, Mike Evans was banged up a little bit. He played, but was very uh, limited. Chris Godwin missed uh, week two, I believe it was, and so they've kind of been alternating in terms of their injuries. So if the Bucks can get everyone back, I think – It'll be obviously a, a great thing for them, and if I mean, it'll make this game a lot more interesting. I think. I think if if they're limited in terms of the personnel they have, this one could get ugly. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right. Well, that pretty much does it for news and notes. Uh, now we're going to, just like we do whenever we have a guest on the show, throw a handful of rapid fire questions at Bailey so you guys can get to know him a bit better and we can see where his food takes lie. so we know if he will ever be able to return to this podcast. So I'll go ahead and start and we can rotate from there. So first question, kind of an easy warm-up question for you, Bailey, is how did you start covering the Bucks, and you know, what does your role kind of consist of at Bucks Nation? So actually back in 2016, um, I was a senior in high school and trying to figure out this whole journalism thing and how I could get involved doing different things. So I actually joined with uh, the pewter plank over at Fansided. And I wrote there for, I believe it was two seasons. Uh, my first story was about how you can make a case for why Roberto Aguayo was a good choice in the second round. Um, <laughs> my, last, <laughs> my last article, I'll say my last article for them was ranking the worst draft picks in Jason Light's tenure, and I think he was number one. So kind of came full circle there. But uh, I moved to Bucks Nation in 2018 and have been there ever since. Um, right now I do game recaps. I do um, our division recaps during the week and some record watches looking at franchise and NFL records that could be set the coming Sunday. And I also do uh, my big feature is Buccaneers of the week, which is kind of naming the top five players from that week's game, um, assigning them point values based on those five rankings, and then kind of ends up in a whole standings list um, at the bottom of the whole thing. And 
by the end of the year, we have who our top player of the, of the season was. So those are my responsibilities, chip in here and there when else, uh, when else like ever, ever else I can, and also have uh, the North and South podcast over there for Bucks Nation. All right. Um, I'll, I'll kick off this next one. Man. This is a very important, very important question on this year's podcast. Uh, what's your favorite Oreo, Bailey? See, I don't know if this one, like, it's going to sound weird because I don't know if it necessarily counts as, like, a different Oreo. It's mini Oreos. Like, those little, those bags of mini Oreos. Okay. Yeah. I like those a lot. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm like, because I'm the same thing. It's like mini M&Ms are my favorite M&Ms. So I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with that. I just like them better. The move is you pour those in a bowl and then some milk in them and that's, that's your cereal. There you I, go. They, they came out with that Oreo cereal that is pretty much like the same thing, but worse, I think. Yeah. It's not, it's not quite the same. This <laughs> is the move. I mean, the problem is that you have diabetes and then you'll die soon. <laughs> but like, other than that, like the cereal itself would be tremendous. So. Right. I think the problem with like the mini Oreos is I can eat a bunch of them. I can eat a whole bag of them without feeling bad because I'm like, oh, they're small. But then I realized that I probably ate like <laughs> in, like in terms of if you translate it to regular Oreos, I probably ate like 20 Oreos. Yeah. Well, good news is that you're allowed back on the podcast um, yeah. for if the Bucks and Packers ever play again. Our beef on the show is with the most stuff Oreo that it's just like absurdly stuffed with all of the cream and we won't get into it, but okay. just know that that was an acceptable answer. So thank you, Bailey. Cool, cool. <laughs> if you were given your choice of regular double stuff or most, or uh, what's a, that's not most of Yeah. All right. We'll go regular <laughs> double stuff or most stuff. What's your, what's your pick? Usually double stuff, but I like, mo- I mean, reg- the regular kind are better too. I mean, I've um, never had the most stuff and I don't know. Don't, you're fine. Yeah, don't. I, don't, I don't think Maybe. now that I've heard this, I think I've been sold as to why I should not. Ever, I'll uh, I'll scroll. Th- yeah, I'll scroll through my. Uh, I've got a picture somewhere of it, and it's basically like you get 15 cookies in an entire pack of these Oreos. It's disgusting. The wafers are the same. It's just. It's just. It's. We yeah, spent too much time gross. on it. They're disgusting, yep. and they should not be spoken of again. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, when all the COVID is all settled and finished. What is your dream vacation? Like, where would you want to go if you're, you know, given a whole bunch of money and you can pick wherever you want? Like, what's the, what, what's the one place you want to go to? I don't know that people would think of this as like a dream vacation spot, but for, for me, it's personal and it would be Panama. I have a family, a lot of family there that I've never met. And my parents and brother, they went when my brother was young and they never ended up taking me when I was young. <laughs> so I kind of held some resentment <laughs> for that. Um, for my whole life, I've I really wished I could go there and and meet all these people I've heard stories about. But um, I'm gonna make it there one day. That's on the bucket list. Very cool. Nice. Uh, next question, which I feel like I might know the answer to this one already, is what is your favorite guilty pleasure movie? The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not even like not even necessarily that guilty. But it's my favorite, like one of my favorite movies. So I don't even know that I feel that guilty about it. I always thought it was going to be like Magic Mike or something. That's a little disappointing, <laughs> if I'm being honest. You're say, so basically, you're not answering the question. It's your favorite movie. Not your guilty <laughs> okay, well, okay, I got another one. I got Very another one. Cool. Very Fever cool. Pitch. No. Fever Pitch. It's a. Uh, oh, I love I, that movie. I hate the Boston Red Sox so much, but <laughs> I just uh, the movie. It's a good movie. I like the movie. I yeah. like the story. You know. That's the Jimmy Fallon, uh, Drew Barrymore thing right. or whatever? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, Bailey and I, at least once a week, text and we're like, oh, the soundtrack to Greatest Showman is <laughs> so good. It's so good. So I was like, I feel like I, kn- I know what he's going to answer here. <laughs> Those are solid. All right. Um, 
All right. Hey, we're going to get back into COVID because we like talking about uplifting things here. Um, have you picked up any hobbies uh, while you've been, you know, stuck at home? So I started watching golf a little bit. Okay. And it's something that I, I watched like maybe once a year in the past. And of course, when it was one of like the only sports on, I would watch it every weekend. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know. Now that it's every other sport is back, I've found myself not watching it as much, but I still kind of keep track of what's going on. And then other than that, customizing shoes online and not buying them <laughs> I, I do that okay yeah no that's the weird stuff that's the answer i wanted that's good yeah I do that. <laughs> uh okay and then last one we've got if you could pick one person to narrate your life while it's happening who would it be i have to go with michael kane i just love it. i love his accent oh, love his one. voice mm-hmm. i like it on. <laughs> That is a good answer. All right. So thanks, Bailey, for answering those questions and allowing our listeners to get to know you a bit better and for Steve and Dusty to get to know you a bit better, too. Um, Moving on, as you guys know, we have a prop bet every week that we have uh, been rotating and taking turns on who decides, you know, what we're betting on. Obviously, there was not a prop bet last week with the buy, but um, just an update, Steve and Dusty sit at two and two. I am at one and three. We are still trying to come up with a punishment for the ultimate loser at the end of the season. Some of you guys shared some suggestions with us, but it's still undecided. So we're open to any more that you may have. So if you think of anything, let us know. This week, uh, I have the honor of coming up with the prop bet. And we are going to go with the over under on penalty yards for the Bucks. So they're they're averaging right now over their first few games, 82, yes, 82 penalty (laughs) yards a game. I wish everyone could see just the look of disgust that's on Bailey's face. I see yellow yellow flags when I click. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to set our prop bet at 80.5. Steve, are you taking over or the under? Uh, technically, the person who is the biggest loser of the group starts first, but sure, since you're hosting this week, I'll let you uh, do what you need to do. Actually, I am going to go with the under. I think primetime game, Aaron you know, Aaron Andrews, uh, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, I think they're going to have Rodgers and they're going to have Brady as the forefront, and they are going to want to let the, the, the game play out. So I think there's going to be a few less calls than normal, and I think it'll be, you know, 60s maybe. But uh, as long as there's not a big, big, big pass interference call, then I think the the under sounds pretty good to me. Steve has obviously never met a ref at all because they love the spotlight, Steve. They love the spotlight, baby. I've not looked to see what team is covering this. That probably plays into it. Um, Wait, please don't ever call me baby again. I will. I'm, every week from now on, buddy. Every week. Uh, part of me wants to take the under just because it's been, the, the, you know, they kind of had the mini buy with the Thursday night game. And I want to believe that Arians maybe got some of that under control. But also, I know Bruce Arians and no, he did not. So I'm smashing the over. <laughs> I am going to go with the over as well. I just think that this is one of those things that no matter what, the Bucks are just going to have to play through it. They're going to have to learn from it, and it will be present on Sunday. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. 
You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so now time to jump into uh, Packers offense versus Bucks defense and the matchup itself. We always start with one uh, thing each of us will be looking for in this game from that perspective, and we'll include Bailey in this discussion as well, and then jump into our specific questions for him. So, Dusty, what is the one thing you will be looking for um, on the Packers offense versus the Bucks defense on Sunday? I'm looking for wheel routes, man. Just all kinds of wheel routes. There's a thousand different things that I'm I'm very curious about, but they, uh, th- by my count, I think they had three kind of boundary wheel routes out of the backfield, two to Patterson, one to Montgomery uh, last week, and all of them were successful. Um, two of them were just uncovered. It was like out of compressed formation. Yeah, the guys t- tied to the line, and the boundary the boundary guy essentially took out the boundary corner, and just no one went with them. So the two to, to Patterson were wide, wide open. And the third one was the one to Montgomery on that final drive that kind of got them in a field goal position. That was it's kind of like the like a bit of a pick play that they ended up picking on, but it was a, a kind of a, a curl wheel from from Robinson to Montgomery, and uh, and like. <laughs> Basically, once the wheel took off upfield, regardless of whether the pick actually worked or not, the linebacker was fooled completely by it. He didn't know this was a possibility. He was looking for the flat. So, and to be fair, they were they were hammering the flat all day. So it is something they were doing. But the Packers also hammer the flat all day. I mean, they did a ton of that with Jamal Williams last week. They do that with Aaron Jones. So if they get that kind of hammer in the flat, I'm very curious to see is this something they're going to be looking at from the Bucks defense that they're going to be looking for that wheel and not just selling out for the flat and giving them the underneath because they do have that front seven will flow to that underneath stuff pretty well. They cover that stuff up so well, but they sell out for some of that stuff. So kind of looking for some of that just three, four times, just either a uh, kind of like a, like a horizontal kind of like a, like a, quick look RPO that then they end up hitting a slant off of or a wheel behind it underneath that they kind of just that fool stuff. So I'm looking for, looking for a handful of those. I think they, they're definitely going to bring it out. I'm just, just curious if the Bucks uh, defense is able to do anything with that, or if they're just going to be the same as they were so far this season. I'm looking to see how the Packers offensive line holds up against the uh, front seven of the Buccaneers. Cause even losing uh Vitavea, I mean, that that front seven is just insane. They've got Indomitian Sue, they've got Golston, they've got JPP, they've got Devin White, they've got Levante David, they've got Shaq Barrett. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to preview too much into my questions for Bailey, but uh, Todd Bowles likes to blitz. So, uh, and and uh, I believe Devin White had a eye opening comment today about what he would like to be uh, like to happen with him and Aaron Rodgers this week. So. Um, that's just one thing I really want to see is just if this Packers offensive line, this is obviously the best defense they've faced all year long. And I want to see if they can hold up. I mean, Rogers has done well to get rid of the ball quickly. The, the front, the uh, offensive line has done very well. And especially with Mercedes Lewis coming back too, like that's a guy that's like right tackle two for the Packers. So um, that's that's exactly what I'm looking for. If they can if they can hold their own against this this uh, front seven, I think the Packers are going to be looking really good. Bailey, so I'm kind of looking to see how well the Bucks can cover 
uh, Green Bay tight ends, specifically Rob, uh, Rob Tanyan, because the Bucks just struggle year in and year out with covering tight ends. Um, this year they've been, you know, kind of hit or miss with it. I remember specifically in the in the Denver game, Noah Fant could have had a much bigger game than he did. I think he had a couple drop passes, and I want to say he might have had an offensive pass interference called on too, but he was kind of a non-factor. I mean, granted, he had Jeff Driscoll throwing him the ball. Um, <laughs> but just in, in historically, the Bucks are bad with covering tight ends. When Jimmy Graham was in New Orleans, that was always a big game for him. Uh, Greg Olson in Carolina was always an issue. And right now it's kind of – it's kind of tough seeing who, who the Bucks have to, you know, assign to tight ends because one of their safeties, Jordan Whitehead, is struggling in coverage a little bit. Um, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. has been doing a good job, and he's, you know, five games into his career. He's the best safety on the team at this point, I think. Um, and, you know, if they put a linebacker on him, it's, it's kind of a mismatch, I think, no matter which way they kind of swing it. So whether or not they have a plan, um, and I mean they're going to have a plan, whether or not that plan works and it, unless they have to abandon it, Kind of something I'm going to keep an eye on, um, especially early in Sunday's game. Awesome. And I'm going to actually pull a Steve on what I'm looking for for this week. And that's, will A.J. Dillon get a chance? We've (laughs) talked about, you know, each of you have talked about how the Bucks have a really strong front seven. And actually, this is very relevant on Packers Transplants. uh, Last week for their 200th episode, uh, they had Coach Matt LaFleur on, which was awesome and nate aaron nagler literally asked coach when is aj Dillon going to get his shot at the goal line we've tried aaron jones and failed tried jamal williams and failed now we know the bucks have this really strong you know front seven are we going to put aj Dillon in who we know can just bruise through these guys and push through we'll see coach said he's the next man up does that mean this week next week two weeks from now you know Three weeks from now, who knows? I will be looking out for this. Obviously, it will be very obvious if this happens or does not happen, but I'll also be keeping a close eye on other plays where, you know, where could we have utilized A.J. Dillon? Maybe, you know, think a little more on why aren't we utilizing him? We have him. Coach said he's a great, you know, weapon and someone they can utilize in their system, but why aren't we using him? So that's what I'm going to be looking for on Sunday. All right, time to hop into the questions. We'll rotate in a similar way we did before uh, with the get to know you questions. So I can start again. Bailey, what is the Bucks' greatest strength on defense and what do you think is their biggest weakness? I know you talked a little bit about, you know, weakness covering tight ends, but if there's another one, um, we'd love to hear too. Yeah, so I think the greatest strength is, is probably an obvious one and it's stopping the run. They were the best run defense last year and so far this year have been even better than they were last year. And I think they just set a franchise record uh, three straight games. They've held opponents under 50 rushing yards, and then they've held opponents under 100 rushing yards in 11 straight games. So something that they've really keyed in on. And the problem with that being that Vita Vea is now out for the season. He was a major part of that. Um, But just going against a a Packers team that has, like you guys have mentioned, three really good running backs that, um, you know, they can deploy. It's going to be interesting to see how that kind of kind of holds up on Sunday. But, yeah, the, the run defense is definitely the biggest strength. And then as far as the biggest weakness, yeah, tight ends is one of them. But I think more than anything, it's depth. Um, we're going to see on Sunday how they can replace Vita Vea, not that they actually can, uh, how they're going to attempt to replace Vita Vea. And then just in terms of behind guys like Shaq Barrett and JPP, they don't really have any proven edge rushers, you know, um, one place I think they do have good depth is inside linebacker with Kevin Minter. 
Um, but then if you go to the secondary, there's not a lot of proven corners behind the, the main three guys. So depth is an issue, and, and if we see more injuries pop up, this defense is going to have to look a lot different. All right. Um, and actually, mine's kind of going to go along with, we've talked about the front seven a bunch. I mean, Vita Vea's come up a lot, and rightly so, with that the, the terrible injury from this past week. So, I mean, he was um, – I, I mean, you can make an argument best defender so far in the season. I mean, they've, they've got some good guys up there, but uh, maybe one of the most important. So like, I know you just talk about the run defense football outsiders has them as the number two defense. I think overall defense uh, coming into this game, how much does that injury hurt the defense? Like you said, you still got, I know Steve mentioned, you know, and Dominic earlier, you've got him, you've got Levante David, you've got, you've got a great front seven, but just his presence, what he brings both run stuffing and pass rush, how much does he hurt and how much, I guess, how much worse are they without him, without him on the field? Yeah, it's a huge loss. I would venture to say it's probably the biggest possible loss that the defense could take just because of how important he is in the interior of the line um, against the run. And also he's improved this year as a pass rusher. I know, you know, a couple of years back when they drafted him as early as they did, people hated it. Some people still hate it, but um <laughs> You know, for the role that he plays, he, he does it extremely well, and he's become a big part of the defense, a big part of that core. And this year, coming into this year, he talked a lot about wanting to improve his game as a pass rusher because that was kind of what he'd been lacking. And so far throughout the season, he had he had been showing a lot more. I think he had two sacks through five games, which is close to his total from last year, I believe. Um, so you know, he was he was clicking on both uh, in both aspects, and then behind him. The, I think who they'll have to step in is Raheem Nunez Roches, who's only ever been a rotational guy, never been a guy that plays a ton of snaps. So, I mean, a good piece that, that they've had for a couple of years now, but not someone that can just step right in and fill in for a guy like Vita Vea. So everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm obsessed with inside linebackers because Green Bay has not, hasn't had one in like 75 years. So... The Bucks obviously spend and put draft capital towards that. So their their linebacking group, whether it's outside linebackers or inside linebacker inside linebackers, is quite deep. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Devin White in his second year. Like, has he grown? Do do people think he's been worthy of that number five pick that uh, you know was rich for a lot of people's blood as well? Yeah. So there's there's kind of two like answers that are kind of opposite answers to this question. Is yeah, he has grown a lot this year. I think in a number of different ways. I mean, his confidence is at an all-time high. I know a couple of weeks ago, uh, week two when they played the Panthers, there was that clip that came out from one of those NFL mic'd up shows where Christian McCaffrey told Devin White, he, was, he said, you're the best in the league, man. And Devin White was like, yeah, I know. And he went to the <laughs> sideline, told, told his teammates, and was like, yeah, he told me I was the best. He's like, I told him I already known that. I've, I've known that. Um, so he's definitely not lacking confidence. I know today, uh, today on Tuesday he said he's asked, Todd Bowles to unleash him this week. He wants to, to really get after it. Um, so his confidence is at an all-time high. His awareness seems to be better. And in terms of his leadership, like his leadership, he stepped up even towards the back half of last year. Um, even as a rookie, he was one of the leaders of the defense right in the heart of it and was voted a captain this year. So he's, he's grown in a lot of ways just a few games into his second season. As far as whether or not he's been worth the number five overall pick, it just depends on who you talk to because, you know, much to the chagrin of, half of the fan base maybe more than half the fan base they spend a number five overall pick on him so that's something that's going to be haunting him his whole career whether or not he ends up being a hall of famer if he ends up being a hall of famer people will have to say it's worth it but <laughs> i don't know save save for that happening people are probably going to debate that it's going to follow him his whole career i personally am a big fan of him i think 
you know, what he brings to the defense is worthy of that kind of pick. I know it kind of goes against everything in terms of drafting an inside linebacker that high, but just his playmaking ability, the leadership he brings, I, I think he's worth it. I don't know. If, if you can ask, you know, 10 people, you'll probably get, you know, five and five split. All right. So this question might be a little painful for you to answer, but I want to ask it, you know, if you were the head coach of the Packers this week and knowing your knowledge of the Bucks and, you know, their personnel and what they're able to do, what is the key for the Packers, you know, to succeed against the Bucks, specifically on offense? Where, what do they do? What is their game plan? And, you know, what's really the key for them? I mean, I think pretty much it's kind of simple. It's just protecting Aaron Rodgers because we talked about the front seven for the Bucks and how, how good it can be. But when they're not getting home and we're not getting to the quarterback, you know, especially a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, if he has time, he's going to pick the secondary apart. Even if the secondary's, you know, they're young, but they're they're hungry. They're really, they've really been, you know, proving themselves in the last year and a half. But I think a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers is going to find holes, going to find weaknesses and mismatches if he's not being disrupted. I know he's a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over very much um, at all. So, you know, the only way I can see the Bucks even really forcing him in any of those turnovers, those you know, momentum changers, is by getting uh, getting home on, on blitzes and getting home on just the, the regular pass rush, however many they rush. So I know the Packers' offensive line has been you know phenomenal this year. Um, I know from what I saw is one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Um, so that's definitely got to be the key, I think, is protecting Aaron Rodgers, keeping him upright, and allowing him the time to, to see his receivers downfield and kind of take his pick on, on what he can expose in the secondary. Right, so you've been uh, you've been a Bucks fan for a while. Uh, it sounds like you um, <laughs> you've been, I was gonna say you've been through highs and lows, but like high high issues probably, but mostly lows. Um, but coming into this year, you know you had the you had the whole Jameis experience, and now you've got Brady to go along with those offensive weapons, and you have uh, then Gronk came and Lashawn McCoy, and like it's just it, it just a whole bunch of people got added that I know the expectations were super high, but for you, kind of throughout this year through the first five games what surprised you the most from this team uh whether good or bad so yeah in terms of highs and lows i i was four years old when they won the super bowl so. <laughs> mostly lows yeah sorry man. Yeah, mostly lows. <laughs> um, but yeah i think kind of who surprised me in a good way this year is indomitian sue he came last year obviously and i think he did a decent job um you know with what he was tasked to do and helping vita vea along in his development and you know, didn't really offer too much in terms of pass rush or, or you know, he was he was good in the, against the run, of course. But this year, I mean, he's been one of the MVPs of the defense very quietly, I think, because, you know, people see the splash plays that Levante, David and Devin White are making. You know, they see the guys in the secondary and those guys picking up the sacks off the edge. But and Dominican Sue just against the run and he's he stepped it up again this year as a pass rusher. Um, just how big of a role and how important he's been to the defense so far this year is what's really surprised me, because. I think, you know, and where he is at in his career, no one really expected too much from him. They just expected him to be, you know, a veteran presence who, who gets a job done. Um, and through five games, he's been one of the better players on the defense. So, you know, especially from, from here on out with Vita Vea out, he's, he's going to have to keep stepping up and keep being that guy, um, you know, in the, in the front three in terms of the 3-4 defense because if he keeps up what he's doing, I mean, he'll help whoever steps in for Vea, um, you know, help them along trying to get, trying to make up for a big loss. So you talked a little bit about if Aaron Rodgers gets some time, you think he can, he might be able to pick that defense apart uh, in the secondary. 
for Packers fans, so let's say you get to pick one guy. Like if you're Aaron Rodgers and you have time to throw the ball, who's the one guy that in that secondary that you're picking up? So right now I'd say it's probably Jordan Whitehead, who's uh, the safety, third-year safety. Um, he's just struggling right now for, for whatever reason, and he's, he's great in run support, but he kind of got left, uh, left out there in some bad situations against Chicago last week and really just you know, couldn't pick up his man and missing assignments, stuff like that. And you know, with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I think he's going to know that. He's going to notice that. The, whole, the secondary as a whole has you know, been pretty impressive, and it's, it's hard to pick on one guy. Um, sure. but it would, it would have to be Whitehead. I think the other guys, um, you know, Sean Murphy bunting would be maybe the second one, but you know, he's been, he's been a little less consistent than Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, but he's still been pretty solid. He's still got, um, some decent speed. So, yeah, I think out of all of them, it's Jordan Whitehead, whether that's, um, you know, matched up on a tight end or if he's, you know, tasked with covering anyone out of the backfield on, on those wheel routes or anything like that. I think he'd be the guy. And my last question is just kind of a general question could be, you know, on the offensive defense, but if you could trade for one player in the league right now, you know, to kind of boost the bucks a little more, who would it be and why? So this one will hit home, hit home for y'all. It's David Bakhtiari because the bucks (laughs) have a left tackle problem and he would solve that left tackle problem. Um, You know, one of the best in the league and, and what the bucks have right now, left tackle and Donovan Smith, not one of the best in the league. He's uh He's the guy that will miss, will miss blocks, will miss, you know, just completely get blown by, and also his penalty issues. I think Greg Allman of The Athletic came out the other day and said the NFL has this stat that they have. Um, I think it's called drive, drive stalled um, by penalties. And I think the Bucks lead the league with, I believe it's 11. I want to say that and, uh, Donovan Smith has five of them. You know, holding penalties, false starts. He just he shoots his offense in the foot any chance he gets. And I mean, I, I mean, I like the guy. He's a good guy, and and I know he's he's trying his best. But man, he's the, he's the weak. He's Bless the weak link. Bless his heart, man. Bless his yeah, heart. he's the weak link on the offensive line. The fan base just can't stand him. They can't wait to see him out of here. Um, so if, if I had, if I could pick one guy to trade for, it would just be someone to kind of put him out of his misery and get a, get a left tackle in here that can truly protect Brady and and keep this offensive line, which has otherwise been pretty good. He's been the weak link on the offensive line and. Yeah, if they could shore up that left tackle spot, I'd be feeling a lot better right now. Yeah, I did. I did watch uh, that part of that Bears game, and you could tell like he got Brady got sacked a few times, and he legitimately just like looked up at his left tackle and was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, he's Brady's not used to this kind of stuff, and I know Tristan Wirfs at right tackle has been really good so far this year. Kind of got exposed a little bit by Khalil Mack, but who doesn't? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, yeah, they, they flipped Mac to the other side on Donovan Smith, and uh, Smith had no chance. All right. We talked about flags a lot, so that <laughs> leads nicely into this. So, first of all, first of all, I looked up who the assignment is for this weekend. It is Jerome Boger. So, that under, I think you're losing this week, Steve, because Boger loves him to throw some very confusing flags. So, that should be fun. Uh, okay. Oh, so, I'm, I'm glad that you decided that already. That's fun. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah you're welcome. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so th- they had the most flags thrown against them. I think they, they, I think they're tied with personal league as far as accepted penalties, but they've had the most thrown against. They had 49 flags thrown against them through five weeks. So outside of the week two Panthers game, they've had at least eight flags thrown to them every single game. I know we've talked about this a bunch. I know we talked about this with the prop bet. Does this feel like an early season blip, maybe a result of a weird off season, or is this like a legitimate cause for concern at this point? 
it's a it's a legitimate cause for concern. It's been a legitimate cause for concern for I don't know eight years. I, I don't know maybe even more than that. Um, this not feeling great about the under now, Bailey. <laughs> no, I'm sorry about that, but man, this team is always undisciplined, and it, it's just it's always been a problem. And you know, I, going back a couple years, just go back to 2014 because I arbitrarily picked that. But they were 20th in the league that year. The next year they were 31st. 16 and 17, they bounced back a little bit. They were 19th and then 7th in 2017. And then the last three years, they've been 24th, 30th, and 31st. So just consistently, consistently shooting themselves in the foot. And it's become a problem. I mean, there's Bruce Arians has said it multiple times. It's that they have to stop beating themselves. It's Bucks beating Bucks. And I couldn't count how many games they've had over the last, you know, seven, seven or so years, maybe, probably even longer, um, where they've, been in close games but the penalties have been the difference you know we saw it less than a week ago and against chicago so definitely a legitimate cause for concern the one you know potential saving grace they have is tom brady because i don't know if you guys saw him just unloading on his offensive lineman on the sideline and that's just what he does that's his his leadership style and and i don't know leader right there maybe maybe if, if that got to them he's um, he's getting to them and they don't want to get yelled at him, yelled at by him again. So, you know, maybe they'll take that to heart a little bit, but I wouldn't count on it considering, <laughs> you know, Jameis, Jameis got into, into some heated arguments with Ryan Jensen, some, some of those guys about those penalties and they never really stopped. I mean, at that point, it's either like stop the penalties or get your quarterback killed at a certain point. Right. So like, what, right. what do you, what do you want, Brady? Which one do you want? Yeah. They, they just started laughing at Jameis though. Like, what are you going to do? Throw another <laughs> yeah. interception? Okay. Cool, buddy. Cool. Yeah, I think there was a little bit less behind what Jameis was saying in the behind uh, Brady. And that's coming from someone who, you know, begrudgingly is still a Jameis Winston supporter. Fair. I mean, my, to be fair on my side of going on the under, like, Nick Foles wasn't taking advantage of the offsides penalties. Aaron Rodgers is going to, so those mm-hmm. won't be accepted yards. Those will just be like, you know, 40-yard bombs, touchdowns, whatever it is. Those aren't accepted penalty yards. So I'm still, <laughs> I feel better. I've talked myself back in. Good job I'm, making Bailey feel better too, Steve. That was good. Yeah, I know, I like right? I know. <laughs> the, the penalties won't kill him, but the touchdowns uh, from Aaron Rodgers will. So I am not having a good time. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question I wanted to talk to you about. Todd Bowles is known for loving to blitz the quarterback. When somebody like Aaron Rodgers is the guy that he's facing and now Vitavea is out uh, for the foreseeable future, what do you think? Is this going to be I'm going to go all out and blitz Aaron Rodgers or we're going to stick with our like front four front uh, or, you know, five guys that we trust rush them like that and then drop. Like what, what do you think the strategy is going to be for that defense against this offense and against this offensive line specifically? I don't know that they can just drop and, and expect to, to have success. I think that the blitzes do have to go up. Of course. I mean, responsibly, I guess that has, that goes without saying is they have to be responsible with, they can't just send them all, on every down, um, regardless of the situation. But I think, you know, we've seen it a lot this year and, and throughout Todd Bowles' time in Tampa that he does like to blitz. He likes to use those those middle linebacker blitzes, and he's even used them even more this year. He's used the safety blitzes. I think Jordan Whitehead, Jordan Whitehead has two sacks, and I think Antoine Winfield Jr. has two sacks as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them um, dial up the blitzes a little bit more just to try to compensate for, for having Vita out because, like I said, that's a big loss, and they're losing – they're losing a lot up the middle in terms of, um, you know, the collapsing the pocket and creating opportunities for their edge rushers. Um, 
So I, I think they might have to send some guys up the middle there uh, in terms of Devin White and Levante David a little bit more. All right. So um, that does it for the questions that we had for Bailey. So thank you, Bailey, again for taking the time to answer all of those. Now we just have a couple of quick questions from you guys. So thank you to those that um, sent in some questions. Our first one is from Ken Engels, and he asked, after four games of performance so far in 2020, pick one player to return to the Packers in 2021, assuming they all have an annual salary of $10 million plus. Jones, King, or Lindsley? Steve, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one, but if you're saying they're all going to be north of $10 million, I think I would stick with King. Um, as much as a center is something you want to have a really good guy with, paying a center over $10 million a year isn't something I would love, and I feel like... You know, a couple of the players on the offensive line that they've drafted, they the Packers always love to get those players that have that versatility that can play multiple positions. So, you know, there's probably somewhere someone there that can do that. If not, you know, drafting someone in the second, third round, uh, it's something that can be done. And then paying. I mean, we've all seen what happens when you pay a running back, <laughs> a Le'Veon Bell, uh, <laughs> a lot of money. Um, I love Aaron Jones. I really think he's a great player, but paying him 12, 13, 14 million dollars a year just doesn't seem viable for this Packers team when you have to pay uh, the outside linebackers, when you have to pay the quarterback. So, and plus, you can find running backs in the draft really, I, I hate to say easily, but you can. You can find those guys, plug them in a little bit. You find more success with rookie running backs than you would with rookie cornerbacks. So, Kevin King is continually getting better and and putting things together you know to to quote mike mccarthy you know he's he's stacking film left and right so um i'd take kevin king out of those three yeah and i think i might take Lindsay actually i i as much as i don't love paying a center like you said steve that kind of money and even a guy who's had some some injury issues in the past he's been so good this year he's just sure. just just a rock in the middle i still i really like kevin king but just seeing, I mean, it's say like at least ten million a year. Seeing what the going rate on corners is, uh, I like Kevin King just fine. I don't like Kevin King for top corner money. So I think out of those, and same with you, Steve. I love Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones for that amount of money, I don't, I don't necessarily love unless they make him like, I, I don't know, a slot guy fifty percent of the time, which they're just not going to do because you lose a lot of his value there. So uh, yeah, I think I think I'll go Lindsley. I'm gonna go with King. Um for pretty much the same reasons that Steve did. Um, you know, I love Aaron Jones to death, but I think just the value of over 10 million is a little uh, scary there. And, you know, King, I, I think people hate on him so quickly because of some of the injuries that he was dealing with, you know, f the first few years of his career. But this year he has very quietly had a really great start to the season. I know there's been a lot of talk about, out uh Jarier alexander too but the two of them together are quite dangerous so i think i would want to put the investment in uh kevin king our next question is from badger in canada and that is which team is benefiting more from people coming off the injury list um at least who practiced on tuesday so bailey feel free to chime in on this question as well 
I mean, from my perspective, I think Packers. Just I'm closer to it, but also it's Kenny Clark. It's their best interior lineman. It's Devontae Adams. It's their number one wide receiver. And it's uh, EQ is also out there practicing, who is the guy that they had a lot of hope for that's maybe the number two if, if he's, uh, you know, with, with Lazard out especially. So I... I, there's a there's a whole lot to love I think about what what's coming back from the Packers especially I mean just if it was just Clark if it was just Clark or Adams um, that's huge but I don't know yeah I was gonna say I mean that pretty much felt the same I mean when you get your number one D tackle you get your number one wide receiver back like to me that already pretty much wins the game for me so um, Packers I mean yeah shocking that we're both going with the Packers yeah, no, I right. know. <laughs> I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep shocking people. I'll just go with the Bucks. Um, <laughs> just, just because I think getting getting all those weapons back for Tom Brady, um, if they in fact can get Chris Godwin back and have Mike Evans all the way healthy and have Scotty Miller, you know, be back to where he was a couple weeks ago. I think he played on Thursday against the Bears, but I don't even know if he had a target. He, you know, he didn't have any catches. I don't even know if he had a target. So, you know, having those guys healthy and, and if they can get some help in the backfield for. Ronald Jones, who's been playing really well, you know, in the absence of Fournette and uh, LaShawn McCoy. But if they can get Fournette back, it'd just be nice to have some fresh legs back there. Um, so I, I think just for what, you know, and one thing I will say is it seems like the Packers have proven that they can compensate for having some of these guys out in terms of, you know, being able to still come away with wins. And, you know, the last week against the Bears kind of shocked my confidence a little bit in terms of this team. <laughs> being able to overcome the, uh, the amount of injuries they have. So I'd go with the Bucks in this one. But, I, yeah, I, I could see why you would say the Packers as well, especially with Devontae Adams um, being, being on the way back. All right. Our last question is a fun one from William Ledford. He asked, hypothetically, Brett Favre is in the stands. Is he wearing a Tampa Brady shirt or is he rocking the dropping dimes and suck it sign shirt? And then he said, or more in general, is he just rocking a pack shirt or a Tampa shirt? So what are our thoughts? Because I honestly feel like he could make an appearance. I don't know, man. Like he's been all over the freaking board lately (laughs) that he's just, he's, you know, for all of the always sunny fan, he's like, he's like the wild card of the group. Like you just, (laughs) you have no idea what he's legitimately going to do anymore. So I would not be shocked at all if he like showed up at the game in a Tampa Brady shirt and a Packers hat, like some weird mm-hmm. cross hybrid where every Packers fan's like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> what is happening? But like, he's just having a good old time and, you know, drinking a bunch of tall boys that he snuck into the stadium, you know, no, nah, it's fine. I brought my own pops it open. <laughs> like, yeah, I could totally see that happening. What was the, I, I don't remember how this actually went. This was, was it, AJ Hawk married Brady Quinn's sister, or was it the other way around? Do you remember this? Uh, and, yeah, I think actually that sounds right. Okay, yeah. Well, and, and during the game when they played against each other in college, she wore like a dual Ohio State Notre Dame jersey. It's going to be that. Oh, they're atrocious. Brett Favre's coming with some <laughs> stitched together atrocity. Like, I like the idea of the hat shirt combo because that does feel right. But I also feel like he's going to have some nonsense custom made garbage. Thing on so does, and so. on the back it's gonna say like Rogers or something yeah. like that like mm-hmm. make Brady <laughs> I yeah, like it's... to think it would be a, a mix of a Brady jersey and just a Favre jersey just, <laughs> just his own name <laughs> that's how I'd go with that I think the, the Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Brady shirt and a Packers hat is probably a good bet or he'll just show up in a neutral kind of I don't know what is it his, his Wranglers and just a gray t-shirt or something like that and 
kind of just stay neutral with it. But I don't know. It, it was weird to me to see him make an appearance in week two. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him again. He might pull like the raw blow and just wear the hat that has like the NFL logo on it. <laughs> Big fan of the league. Literally love all teams. <laughs> All right, so that does it for our episode uh, today. Uh, quickly, if anyone has any final thoughts, want to open the floor. So, Dusty, you got any articles this week? What's going on with you? you know, for starters, I was on uh, PAX, what she said, over the weekend with uh, with right. Maggie and Perry, and that was uh, just a ton of fun. They're, they're amazing. Uh, so being able to talk football with them is always a good time. So I was able to, to kind of get into uh, LaFleur's kind of game plan over the first four weeks and dig into that a little bit. Uh, and so I actually was not planning on writing anything this week. I was going to take a week off and I might still, we'll see. Uh, but I am kind of working on an article for today, later today over at Cheesehead, uh, what LaFleur has done that I thought has been really interesting so far. Normally you get like, you set up these core concepts throughout the course of games. You run, you know, one or two here and there. You run usually a couple instances of mesh, a couple instances of PA boot, something like that. LaFleur like grouped them. So you'd had, like, the first game was, like, they're going to pitch a whole bunch of jet sweep stuff. The second game was a whole bunch of mesh. Like, six to eight times per, like, a pop. Like, each game they've been setting up concepts, almost grouping them into games. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of working on something that takes that concept and kind of looking at, okay, through the games, what were they looking at? Then what can be run off of that? Uh, so maybe that'll be out today. Maybe it won't. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's interesting to look at. So uh, hopefully before the weekend, uh, that'll be out. Steve? Uh, broken record over here. Um, wear a damn mask, vote for whoever the hell you want to, but make sure you go out and vote. Um, you know, early balloting is already happening. Do it, find out where you need to be, but do whatever you can to, uh, make yourself, uh, you know, happy during these crazy ass times that we got going on and looking forward to some Packers football on Sunday. Bailey, any final thoughts for you? I'm just going to say it. The AP, AP poll this week in college football is a sham. Um, there's problems all over it, but the fact that the Florida Gators are ranked ahead of a team they just lost to, it it's it's a sham. I, I have nothing else to say other than I don't know what these voters even think about, and I think there was one of them that even got called out on it on Twitter, and his response was like, well, yeah, in hindsight, that probably wasn't right. Like It was like a few hours after he had submitted his his poll, so – I don't know what changed in those few hours, but if you forgot that the, the Gators lost to Texas A&M, I don't know. Or forgot it's, that people could figure out that they could right. see his votes. <laughs> right. Something something like that. So, And I think he was like an Arizona – he covered like Arizona Wildcats baseball or something like that. I don't even know why he had an AP vote. Um, yeah, it, it's just the AP poll and then college football. I love college football, but I also hate it. So, There's that. Um, for me, obviously, I had the week off for um, any articles at Cheesehead TV because of the bye week, but I'll be back, um, you know, Sunday evening with a game recap following hopefully a Packers win. Sorry, Bailey. Um, on Sunday. Don't you apologize then- for that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like I said before, I will be on Bailey's podcast later this week, the North and South podcast. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I'll make sure to tweet the link out in case anybody's interested. I know we're going to break things down even more. Um, so it might be a nice listen ahead of the game on Sunday. So that will wrap us up today. Thank you guys, as always, for listening, for sending in questions, and just being the best. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast, at Steve Perhatch, at Dusty Evely, and at Sarah Kelleher4. And you can find Bailey 
at Bailey J. Adams 22. With that, we'll see you next week. And as always, go Pack Go!